Hello, everybody. We're podcasting in the rain. Podcasting, podcasting in, in the rain. rain. There's a reason we don't sing on this show. <laughs> Welcome to the show, the big show. The non-singing version of the 3BY podcast because... We're, we're done with that, we promise. Yeah, we're, 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 you don't have to tell them why. They know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> and here we are. We are on some road somewhere in America, traveling down the road in our... In our trusty 2000 and whatever, it's a rental, uh, <laughs> Dodge Charger, nice car, gets good gas mileage too. This is the one with the little engine, so yeah, it gets good gas mileage. 526 mile fuel range, that's pretty good. Right now we're in the great state of Kentucky, heading south, heading south for the winter. Actually, we're only heading south for a little while, but... Going to somewhere other than where we were, <laughs> and uh, we decided, hey, let's let's do some podcasting along the way because that's what we do. So we're going to talk today about a subject that I'm going to basically shut up on and let her talk <laughs> because it's in her bali whack. This is her her field. Um, this is her field of dreams, and uh, the subject is. She was Joe. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) A little baseball reference for you there. So, without further ado, Spice. First of all, I am not claiming to be an expert in this field. I'm not a registered nutritionist. I'm not a doctor. I'm somebody who works in the field of biology and how human bodies work. So, don't take it as medical advice because it ain't. Having said that, you are not just some random person. No. I have been in the field and reading professional works on the stuff for some decades now. So I'm 30 plus years. So. Entirely clueless. And you are a performance athlete. And you are a blah, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. I'm not trying to waste your time with just some random opinions of things I know very little about. So, But please do not take Anything you hear here to be legal medical advice because it ain't. Yeah. You should always contact and consult with your doctor and your nutritionist. We've been working up a series on the beans part of beans, bullets, bandages, and you. And also the you part because you is always a big part of the nutrition. And part of that I've been thinking about, okay, what of the usual nutritional needs is it really important for preppers to think about? What are they likely to trip over? What's important in the short term? What's important in the long term? And as part of the uh, background research for the, the uh, nutrition element we're going to be working up here, spent some time last night reading labels of some of the prepackaged emergency food supplies. Okay, this is the time we have to insert a caveat. While we're looking at doing these reviews, we have no sponsorship in any way, shape, or form, whatever, from anybody. Our show is completely gratis. It is non-sponsored. There are no ads on our website. 
So when we give an opinion of something or we give it an analysis of something, I want everybody to be sure that, you know, right, wrong, indifferent, it's our thoughts and opinions. There's no, no financial backing on any of this stuff. The reason I bring that up is because so much of what we see in this field is advertising-based. Yeah. People supporting a particular product line or a particular thing because they're making money off of it, and we're not. You know, anything we test, we buy ourselves with our own hard-earned, cold cash. And we're not going to take money from them either, so no. it's not like we're trying to curry favor. We're just doing it because, frankly, there's a, there's a very big dearth of actual information that is not ad-based out on the web on all this type of stuff and we're really much more into the consumer reports model of you know they go out and buy the products themselves blind and the people don't know that it's consumers reports buying it so that's much more of our model so anyway thought thought i'd throw that in there so one of the things I was examining last night, 72-hour uh, bucket for two. The bucket for two. And we looked at s- several different brands, actually. Yeah, and I looked through everything they put in the bucket and the nutritional information for everything they put in the bucket. I have another caveat here. What we are talking about here is not going to be about what almost everybody else who talks about this stuff talks about, and that's palatability. People talk about, oh, well, two things, palatability and shelf life. That seems to be the biggest concern that everybody has. How long will it last, and how how good does it taste? We're not going to talk about either of those. That's not what we're trying to do here. There's, there's plenty of information, does brand X taste better than brand Y? There's plenty of information of, does brand X actually use nitrogen packaging, whereas brand Y does? Or, you know, how how many servings are sealed in this package versus how many servings are sealed in that package. That's not what we're doing. Frankly, is, guys, these things haven't been on the market for 20 years, so nobody knows how they really taste and their vitamin content after 20 years. Right. So they're making their best guesses. We're not going there. But we can say that some of this stuff doesn't have a lot of vitamin content to start with. <laughs> yeah. If you start with very little, I can guarantee there's still going to be very little 20 years later. <laughs> yeah, I, these are the reason we're doing this is because I've been doing I'm not a label reader expert in any way shape or form, but I've been doing some label reading and the more of the I read of this stuff, the more horrified I was getting. And it was like the ads that I'm reading are just not matching the labels that they're putting out at all. So I I it, I asked for some help from somebody who has a little better knowledge than I do. Now I will be quiet and let her go. So for the 72-hour the short-term needs, stuff you might want in your Bob or your, your short-term kit, whatever you feel like calling it, what of the stuff on that label really matters? First of all, calories do matter. Almost nobody in America is at a state where we don't have enough body fat to go for quite a while without getting enough calories, except if you're trying to do something effortful, like, oh, walk with a pack on your back, shovel a whole bunch of snow, uh, cut up a bunch of trees that have fallen on people's houses, uh, pull people out from underneath the rubble of earthquake-collapsed buildings, you know, the kinds of things one might have to do in an emergency. 
you can't necessarily do those just on your body fat. You, you're burning fuel too fast. You need fuel in there. So calories is a thing. And uh, that one's pretty easy to read and pretty easy to solve for. And most of the people who are putting stuff out well, just read what they call a serving size. Because a lot of times they're saying, oh, here, every serving of our, every entree is about 230 calories. Well, that's real nice, but I'm a 120-pound woman and 230 calories isn't a meal for me. It would take two of those. So watch what they're calling serving sizes, for one thing. Yeah, because this is one of the, <clears throat> and we're going to come back to this over and over again in this series. This is, excuse me, I have to, <clears throat> sorry, I haven't talked much today. Apologize about that. The The series we're going to kind of throw out there is going to kind of be a prep buster series. <laughs> and some of these advertising claims are just ridiculous, especially on these serving sizes are one of them where it's just ridiculous. And I've been comparing the different different brands and different, and some of these, I mean, when you're talking about a serving size of 200 calories, that's fine, but. If you're an active, an active person, an active day, uh, 200 calories is not gonna, you know, that that serving size is not a reasonable size of food to keep you going. You can't have two, uh, three meals of one serving size. No, when and you, you, you you'll starve to death on that stuff. Oh, over oh time. you're not gonna... over time, over time, not over 72 hours. No. You can even live without water for 72 hours in most situations, but not But what you are going to do is look at that tiny little pile of food on your plate and think you were sold a bill of goods instead of an actual meal for that 230 calories. It's going to be a small pile, especially Basically, compared to what most Americans usually eat. Most people call a serving size a cup of it as prepared. That's what most people would call a serving size. And a cup's just not very much food. So keep that in mind. You know, when you see 14 million servings, yeah, but they're all, like, the size of one bite is a serving. So. Yeah, what most people eat for a bowl of cereal in the morning is two to three serving sizes that they traditionally use for dry cereals, for example. Which is fine, but you should realize that's what's going on. Most people's sp plate of spaghetti is two or three times what these guys are calling serving size in their entrees. Often four times. Yeah, true. So... Calories, yeah, you need them, but that one's not going to be hard. Here's the one you really got to watch. Salt. Oh, salt, salt, salt. 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 A lot of these things have 40, 50, 60% of the uh, uh, recommended daily cap for salt in each of those dinky little servings. I, we were we were going through the labels last night as we were making making time down his, the road. His eyes were getting so big, and I was just like, "Now I have I'm salt sensitive, even though I love salt and I use too much of it." And I, you know, we'll we'll talk about my my salt problem later <laughs> because we will talk about that. Gonna, we're going to do a podcast on it uh, on hypertension because because he's not alone in this, guys. No, but my. Goodness, those serving size. I mean, 60% of your daily salt in one cup of of uh, noodles? What? Are you kidding me? Half a gram of salt in one cup of soup. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine making up a bowl of soup for yourself out of, nat of normal ingredients, making a, a small cup, 
not a whole big bowl, just a small cup, and then stirring in a whole teaspoon of of salt. That's about what they're talking about. That's what they're talking about here. What they're doing, and this is my theory, salt, first of all, is a preservative, but what they're also doing with it is they're using uh, salt to mask the blandness. Yeah. Salt enhances the perceived taste of other things, and frankly, they don't have a whole lot of good, tasty ingredients in a lot of this stuff. Yeah, frankly, they don't. Um, It's mostly pasta and stuff like that. Pasta and... TVP and pasta. Now, there are other brands. We're not getting into brands on this podcast, but... No, pretty much everybody uses a lot of pasta, so it's not... Yeah. It's not biased. Uh, but they're doing... It well. And uh, American tastes are tuned to expect a whole bunch of salt. If you go from a regular American diet to a low-salt diet, people are usually miserable for about, oh, half a week. Maybe a week. Missing their salt. But then they go back and eat the regular foods, and they're like, ew, so salty. Yeah, well, that's part of it. You know, and so much of a, we have a problem in, in our American cooking is that, that neither of us, when we cook, have this problem. This is one thing that we have, we have do a pretty good job of is added salt. So much salt is added during the cooking process. It's, a, it's a ridiculous how much salt gets added in the cooking process. More than half the salt Americans eat, uh is added during the cooking process, and the bulk of it comes in, in restaurant foods. And these are basically, they do it for the same reason restaurants do it. Now, I'm not just being all about salt because it's the trend of the day. I'm doing it because I know that more than half of the people over 50 in this country have high blood pressure. And what I'm thinking about here, even on the short term, is something called a hypertensive crisis. We're going to do another podcast more in-depth on hypertensive crises in the near future here, maybe on this very trip. Right, but the last thing you need is, uh, if you're somebody who has hypertension and you are salt-sensitive, like, say, for example, I am, well, the last thing you need to be doing is dumping a bunch of extra stuff to bl- blow your blood pressure up into your system in an emergency. That's the last thing you need to do. If you're already stressed with an emergency and you go to a really high-salt diet for even two or three days, like eating strictly from these buckets would do, it would not be at all surprising for me for a lot of people to tip into a hypertensive crisis. And that can mean little things like, oh, you stroke. During a crisis is not the best time to have a stroke. There aren't a whole lot of good times, but that's the worst of them. So it is an immediate, short-term threat for people who tend to have high blood pressure to suddenly be put into a situation where they're really stressed and they're having ridiculous salt intakes at the same time, it's a recipe for a problem they don't have a ready means to handle. So watch how much salt is in even the 72-hour food, because even for a couple days it makes a difference. When Salty here had his (laughs) hypertensive crisis. We later traced it back to the fact that he'd eaten a whole bunch of salt he didn't know he'd eaten. And that's what it was. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to have a podcast on on my hypertensive crisis. I had one, and it was really disgustingly yuck. And using other other people's action... Excuse me. Headset got pulled half off because fix that. Sorry, my head jerked. I'm driving, and my head just jerked sideways, and I can't, like, see out the front of the car. Good prepping. <laughs> Big driving 
doing something while you're driving and not being. But let's be fair. Um, we're on an interstate, a rural interstate. There's very few people out here. And frankly, I'm not a distracted driver at the moment. So I was for a minute there because my headset was pulling me my head sideways. Ah, that was fun, actually. Let's do it again. How about not? Wow. So watch the salt. I remember this one time. I was totally besides the point. I was driving. <laughs> Got to tell a story. I was. She's still mad at me about about this. Um, I was driving. I was driving one of our limousines. We used to have limousines. <laughs> she knows where the story's going. And I was a little tired. Okay, I was a little tired. It was. It was. I don't. It wasn't even during the day. It wasn't like it was night or anything. And I was a little tired. And I'm driving along, and all of a sudden, I'm off the road in a ditch starting to come back up the embankment and i'm coming up the embankment half sideways and i can just see us rolling this car because it's a limousine fortunately i have very low centers of gravity um, so i just nailed the um just nailed it and was able to fishtail it back around and get back onto the road and there was nobody else coming so it was a rural road and she's in the back. She always rides in the back when, we're, when I had the limos. Because limo. Because, yeah, limo. <laughs> I mean, you know. Anyway, and she is just like, what are you doing? Obviously, I fell asleep while I was driving. I fell asleep. It's that simple. Uh, and um, I, I was kind of, well, that was kind of fun. And she's fun. Are you insane? Do you know how close you came to that pole? Yeah, we no, missed a telephone pole by a good three and a half inches. And I he don't... was asleep for that part and didn't see us about to head on a telephone pole. He also didn't see the part where we were going down the embankment, and we very nearly did roll. The up was not nearly as close to rolling. Yeah, but I do have to give her I, I, one more quick story. This is beside the point. This is this is this is my wife. This is Spice. I was in a. I, I had a truck that I dearly loved. It was a 78 Ford heavy half, um, two-wheel drive. I had good, good, solid. We had a camper, a slide-in camper that went in the back. And, but I had some really good, solid, heavy-duty, umpteen zillion ply tires on the back of this thing. But they were really grippy. Well, we were driving down the road, driving down a camp, county road. We were just driving around and seeing what was what was what. And we went down this road, we started to go down this road, and we realized this was not a rock road, this was a mud road. And it had been raining. And we're in a two-wheel drive Ford pickup truck, and these 78s, I don't know if you ever drove one of those, but they got, like, is that a 351 Windsor? A 350 Windsor? Yeah, whichever. I, you're a truck guy, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but it's a, a big motor. Now, that was the one with the Cleveland in it. It was a Cleveland. Um and if you're not a truck guy, don't care. It, it was a Cleveland, yeah. That, I had one with the Windsor and one with the Cleveland. That was the one with the Cleveland. That engine would flat run. But this truck, if you if you parked it on a hill with the with the um, the back on the lower part of the hill, it would get stuck on grass, wet grass. It would get stuck anywhere because there's no weight in the back of it. It had all this torque. So anyway, we're on the gravel road. And we're there's no way to back up, so we're, we're on this mud road and we're just going because there's just no way to get out of this. And so we're like, okay, well, 
no we're return, about four no miles from town. We know about where we are. I mean, it's not a problem. And we're like, let's see how far we can make it and shorten the walk, <laughs> you know? So I just started steering. I steered for the ruts and just nailed it. There's nothing else you can do. And we're passing, because this is a road that the kids used to mud on. If you're a country boy, you know what I'm talking about. These were, this was a mudding road. And we'd be passing stuck four-wheel drive, jeeps. Four of them, as I counted. <laughs> and we're driving, we're in this ridiculous Ford heavy half two-wheel drive truck. And somehow or other, by the grace of the Almighty or whatever, uh, we got through it. Partially because he couldn't no longer feel which way the wheels were turning, and he had me sticking my head out the window, calling to him, they're aimed right, they're aimed left, I had okay, no idea they're straight, the they're straight. And, and the, the windshield was just mud, completely mudded couldn't, over. Yeah, I couldn't see through the windshield, so I was sticking my head out, and you can imagine what was happening to my face, sticking my head out when the windshield was covered with mud. So anyway, we made it all the way to the gra- until the gravel started again. And the smoke is rolling out from under, because the... the the, in, the hot engine had had water splashed all up in it. The smoke's rolling out from it. We are covered from head to tail in, in mud and everywhere. And I looked over at her, and I'm like, oh, I am so going to get it. I am so. I, it is over for me. I'll just wait till next week and start life over again. I look at her. She kind of grins at me. She says, let's do it again. <laughs> that is that's spice. Anyway, so there we are. Totally there we are. The point. Okay. We had uh, looking at calories, making sure it's not too salty. Blood sugar issues. Now, this one's not going to be a problem if you don't are, are not diabetic and don't tend towards diabetes at this time, which means you're bad at handling blood sugar. But there are a whole bunch of people who are bad at handling blood sugar. And you don't even have to be um, ba- diabetic to really suffer from sugar spikes. Yeah. A lot of people who are not diabetic, who who have perfectly functional uh, innards, still have trouble with big sugar spikes. They actually have marginally functional innards, and they just don't know it yet. Yeah, whatever. But, yeah. Whatever. Pre-diabetes, it's a thing, sorry. So, if you got somebody around who is, for example, diabetic, make sure you keep some quick-hitting sugar in the food for them. Now, this is not a problem if you're, <laughs> you're using the prepackaged 72 day 30 day 60 day food supplies some of them because some every one i've looked at actually i've looked at one last night after you went to bed okay there is one out there that does not contain sugar water yeah the the four i looked at last night all did yeah uh, they get a lot of their calories from orange drink or you know it's usually orange because that's the flavor most people like they kind of sound like they'd like you to believe they've got an orange juice substitute in there, but no, guys, it's Kool-Aid. Uh, in the sense that it is a flavored product whose all of whose calories come from sugar and have virtually zero nutritional value beyond the calories and sugar. You put a little flavoring into water and then dump a bunch of sugar and you're there. That's what you've got. But I tell you what, if you don't have very good blood glucose control, you're not real good at handling your fuels. And you've been out, and you've been working harder than you've been expecting, than you normally work physically, taking care of these issues, and all of a sudden you start feeling confused and shaky, and you feel really gross, and you break out into a cold sweat, hit some of this stuff. Chug down one of those uh, little 
envelopes of sugar water. Quick hitting sugar to recover when you drive your blood glucose too low by accident. Runners call it hitting the wall. Uh, cyclists call it bonking. So athletes know oh. what this feels like. If you're not into sports, you might, uh, from the participation end, you might not know what it feels like. But that's what it feels like. Uh, shaky, Dude. stupid unmotivated if you've never bonked sweat. On, a, on a bike there's there's just nothing worse than bonking on a bike especially when you're still 40 miles out <laughs> and you bonk you're like oh except you know we have always got fast sugar on the bikes too, we always the same keep, reason always keep fast sugar on the bikes because even if you're good at handling blood glucose if it's really sustained effort you, you, you can, can bonk you can run through it and that's that's the proper word by the way bonk b-o-n-k that's our gift to you, non-cyclists. You can bonk. There you go. Um, on the other hand, you don't want too much of that stuff if you're not good at handling the fuels. So Wait a minute, we got the railroad track, and we're in Clarksville, Tennessee, so hey, you can take the last train to Clarksville. I'll meet you at the station. We're in Clarksville, Kentucky, I think. I don't think Who cares? we're in Tennessee yet. It still fits the song. Uh, okay, well, actually, 41 miles to the turn... Then we got Nashville. We're not going to be podcasting through Nashville. I hate driving through Nashville. Yeah, he's going to be driving when we're going through Nashville. It's kind of a pain. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, aim towards lots of fiber, lots of protein, lots of whole grain in your food preps if you're not good with handling blood glucose. Because you don't want to sugar spike yourself either. And a lot of the emergency foods as packaged... A whole bunch of the calories come from quick-hitting carbs like uh, pasta and white rice, especially pasta. That's a favorite among prep food. Right. Because, you know, it's a it's basically indestructible. If the Egyptians had made it, we could eat it out of the pyramids. Uh, do make sure there's some fiber in your emergency foods. This is uh, the the classic knock on MREs. And it's true for a lot of other prep foods as well is they will stop you up like a cork <laughs> because they've got so very little fiber in them cheese may be tasty but cheese is salty and cheese will well it will stop you up like a cork <laughs> yeah and not much fiber in that stuff and yeah no very little fiber in, in the well they're, the newer mres are better than the older ones are yeah they're more they're certainly more careful sea rations were yeah. But, you know, MREs are heavy, they're expensive, they're uh, not that long-lasting. Um, I'm much more of a freeze-dried fan myself. Yeah, although we keep a case of MREs Because for... we want something quick. Yeah. That's and frankly, part... I take them out to the place a lot, just yeah. toss an MRE in my in my bag and I'm good for food for the day. And Yeah, we got these, these daily rations. I got a really good deal on them from... Humanitarian daily rations. Humanitarian daily rations. In fact, I'm since since we don't do sponsorship, I'll tell you where I bought them from. It was a place called the Epic Center, which I bought a lot of stuff from over the years. Um, MR, right now is a very bad time to buy MREs. You just can't find them when we're recording this. It's hurricanes. Because yeah, hurricanes have just they've gotten all the humanitarian rations down. In yeah, they're sending them to Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico so. right now. Because um, they don't need cooking. And it is part of the United States. For those of you who don't know, Puerto Rico is American soil. Um, but so our government is sending all this stuff there. But we bought some some low time left 
MREs, and those are really interesting. They have a lot more, uh, well, the first, they're, they're, hum- they're a daily ration, so you got a lot more calories. You've got 4,000 plus calories in this thing. And, uh, but. Mm-hmm. I think it's 2,000 calories a bag. Is it? Well, no, yeah, that's a. Or 2,500 a bag. 2,500, okay. Well, it's supposed still. to be one bag per person per day. Um, but they're interesting because they're, you know, halal and they're, you know, they're kosher, halal, the whole thing. They're any, there's something they can give out to anybody. And um, some of the some of the choices of the ingredients are really odd in those. But the salt, it's another one of those where they're just very, very salty. Very salty. What a lot of people don't realize is when you're eating the high salt, that'll stop you up faster, too. For physiology reasons, I won't trouble you with at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah. And that can actually, it's its a comfort issue for one thing, but its it also can be a real health issue. You do not it's, want impact, yeah. compacted? Impacted. Impacted. Okay, I knew it was one of the two. You don't want that. That's bad. Yeah. Um, Especially so when you got no medical care to help you deal with it. It's, an, an excellent yeah. prep is the uh, stool softener. Yeah. It's an excellent prep. Now, with a caveat, they come in a gel tab. So you have to be very careful. They to melt. get hot, they melt. Yeah, we've got, fortunately, I'd package them in individual small sealed Ziplocs. Yep. Because we ended up with uh, one big pancake of those instead of the several individual doses that had originally been packed in the emergency bag. This is just part of, of all bag. of the stuff that we carry. And this is part of our, yeah. part of our, our actual, uh, well, I'm sure we've got some in the car with this we trip. We do. Just part of what we do. So, anyway. Okay. Pressing right along. If you're looking for a longer-term food, uh, there's some additional things you start need to need to think start thinking about beyond 72 hours. Because 72 hours, you're just you you're really not that concerned about vitamins. It's, it's yes, you want vitamins, but you're not. It's not that big of a deal. They're not going to bite for They're three not, days. You know, three so days. You, you don't can... fuss with it. Yeah. Uh, you start looking. Uh, make sure you got enough protein in there. Yeah. Because if everything is like. Yeah, mac and cheese and stroganoff and cream sauce and all that stuff. And They're pretty these, light on the protein. Some of these storage foods are a lot of mac and cheese and yeah. stroganoff and cream sauce with TVP. Very little of it. Not Yeah, if they put in a lot of TVP, it would be fine, but they don't. TVP, for those of you who may not be familiar with that, is textured vegetable protein. It is a meat substitute. It's actually quite usable. Um it stores, there's a lot less fat in it, and so it stores better long term. Now, uh, you can certainly store meat long term free stride. I know one of the companies that does that very well is Mountain House. Uh, but the cost is higher, and it's, you still have all the, all the issues with it being actual meat, if that is an issue for you. One of the issues you do have when you use the TVP stuff is you got to watch the B vitamins because most of those are are uh, normally acquired through meat. They can also be gotten through uh, milk and eggs. But uh, B12 deficiency is if you're living mostly on um, unfortified, refined grains, B12 can be a problem. Um, the micronutrients you have to start thinking about when you're on those. Vitamin C is critical because scurvy is not just 
uh, bleeding gums and stuff like you hear about. It is disgusting stuff like wounds 20 years healed falling open on you and uh, scurvy will kill you. But vitamin C is pretty easy to get is the good news. But don't assume you have it in these like 72 hours and longer type kits. Don't assume you have it because we were reading this stuff and there's virtually no vitamin. That orange drink stuff is not fortified with vitamin C. There's nothing in it but sugar. Vitamin C is not terribly shelf-stable. No, and that's why one of the reasons why, you know, you don't see it in the long-term care or products, but it's still, yeah. I mean, the, about the only way you're going to get it is in long-term is through dehydrated or freeze-dried fruits and vegetables, yeah. actual fruits and actual vegetables. Yeah, the dehydration process, you lose some of it, but you don't lose all of it, and a lot of foods have a lot of vitamin C. Right. So if I'm eating, like, my um, tomatoes that I stuck in the dehydrator five years ago, and I'm serving some of those in spaghetti sauce, there's still going to be a lot of vitamin C in there. Now, let's just briefly mention what we do just as an example. We do two things. I have purchased um, a whole bunch of buckets, if you will, as their buckets, of freeze-dried fruits and vegetables for our long-term. And every year we do, uh, she, she does, a garden. And a large part of our garden is uh, dehydrated by her. She dehydrates them. And then we have, you know, just rack upon rack of dehydrated vegetables. So we're good. You know, we can go either way. We'll go with the dehydrated stuff because that, you know, we like to eat that up and keep that fresher. You know, that's a two- to three-year max yeah. type thing. And so we'll eat down through that in the winter. And even for people who don't like uh, vegetables, and there are a lot of people who don't. I'm not a big fan of vegetables. I'm a vegetarian who doesn't really like vegetables. This is just a weird thing. But um, you can take, like, you get these pasta things with the red sauce, but you can take a lot of the stuff like uh, zucchini and and fried or dried zucchini and several other of these dried tomatoes and add them into the pot the sauce yeah, they're very barely noticeable and put them in there they bulk it up they'll even eat spinach that way yeah they bulk it up they give you a lot more nutrition win-win and there's a lot more fiber in it that way, even if you're using the refined grain pastas and things like that. And you not only get the nutrients, but you get the micronutrient thingies that she's going to talk about here in a minute. Yeah. Uh, vitamins are the mic- some of the micronutrient thingies. Uh, vitamin A is important, but it's not hard to get because carrots have a bunch of it. So there's a lot of that in the prep foods, even the standard off-the-shelf stuff that has not enough of anything else usually has a good amount of vitamin A in it. Vitamin D is hard to get because most people get it from uh, fortified dairy products and uh, eggs, and those of us who eat things like nutritional yeast get it nutritional yeast, which is the single biggest nutritional powerhouse on the planet, by the way, for about a year. Nutritional yeast is a... because Okay, first of all, it is the, uh, just a nutritionally wonderful food. And second of all, it tastes like butter. 
you put it into something and it tastes like you've enriched it with butter. So you're not only putting in really good stuff, but it tastes good too. She used to put, I don't know if you still do, but she puts it on her popcorn. Oh, yeah. As a popcorn topping because it tastes like butter. Yeah. I don't what have... you do is you take some of that, some of that uh, um, butter, spray. butter spray, you know, that very low-calorie butter spray, put it on there, and then you put the nutritional yeast on it. It'll attach itself to the butter spray, and you get this nice buttery piece of popcorn. You can also use it as a topping in places for, like, pasta dishes and chili and stuff yeah, where you would put spaghetti. cheese on it. Mm-hmm. If you don't have cheese on hand... Uh, that stuff's good. Mac and cheese, you sprinkle it on as a topping. And if you don't want it, if you if you want to disguise it a little bit on their mac and cheese, if you're doing a baked mac and cheese, what you can do is you take that, you put the mac and cheese down, you put on the breadcrumbs, and you mix in the nutritional yeast with the breadcrumbs, and they'll never know it's there. Good for about two or three years. It's not a forever shelf life food by its nature, but it's, but it's for, another one of those for its size and its light and its versatile. It's another one of those foods that, that uh, you know, it's two to three years shelf life, but if you eat it enough, this is not a problem because you just keep grabbing the old one off the shelf and you shelf and keep it in your rotation. Put the new one behind it, yep. And you could, if you don't know what we're talking about, you, most good grocery stores have it, but you can also get it on Amazon. So Nutritional yeast, not baker's yeast, not brewer's yeast. Nutritional yeast. Yeah. Best company. Um that's the brand we use. Just throwing it out there. B-E-S-T. So vitamin D can be hard to do unless you're getting a lot of sun. If you're getting a lot of sun, you're golden. Literally. Yeah, you got a tan and um, because your skin makes vitamin D when exposed to sunlight. If you have extremely dark skin, a uh, weenie amount of northern hemisphere sunlight might not be enough for you. Uh, because the... Darkness in the skin is meant to block some of the UV rays because too much of them is a bad thing, but you want enough to get your vitamin D production. Those of us who are Caucasian, if you're out working outside spring, summer, fall, you're fine. Vitamin D levels tend to drop in the winter, and that's bad on the immune system, honestly, and that's that's concern. I've heard a plausible theory that that's one of the reasons we get so many flu epidemics in the winter. The viruses are actually around all year, guys. The reason peop- one of the reasons people don't get the flu as much in the sunnier months is apparently because they're sunnier and their vitamin D status is better. Just hypothesis. We're going to pause the podcast for just a second and look something up because I got a question for her, and uh, I don't know the answer, and I think we're going to have to look this one up. So we're going to pause it. You won't notice the difference, but we will. And we're back. Welcome back. Welcome back. And I actually have the recorder running this time. <laughs> so the reason we uh, <laughs> took the time out is so I could stop and uh, look up some of the nutrition facts on the powdered milk products that you get in those emergency food supplies. Right. And we, we were curious whether they were actually vitamin D fortified. And yeah. so we So we looked up the one that we have in our storage. There's others out there. We didn't go. We didn't go look them all up, but we they're at the probably ones. all of a piece. Probably, but well, I'm not gonna. No, I'm not gonna say probably. I'm just gonna say the one we have, because there's a vast difference in some of these storage products. All right, fair enough. I'm. I'm. I don't believe a word these people say. I got to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Until you know, I believe their labels because that would be uh, illegal, and 
you know, you don't get away with that as a national company for very long. You do on herbal supplements. But not on food. Not on. Not uh, herbal on. supplements are technically food, yeah. Actually, you can't completely trust food labels. I'm sorry, but you can't. 